Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. Storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're... You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines. Trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Grindhouse Podcast. My name is Dave. I am joined with our semi-regular co-host, mm-hmm. Mr. Jude S. Walker. French rabbit and taters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, you, as you might remember from last week, our normal co-host Matt has been exiled for not having ever seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Get out of here. As we were about to do a Game of Thrones-centered uh, episode. Mm-hmm. So, until he passes the trial by combat, we're going to have a few different guest hosts come in and <laughs> fill the void for him. You can have any guest hoes come in? Well, I have you here. <laughs> that's right. So, that seems appropriate. I am a hoe for the business. That is for sure. So, as we record this podcast, it is May 5th or Cinco de Mayo. Yes. As some people might be celebrating, my, my Mexican brethren and sister. I'm drinking a Cerveza Modelo Especial. Just for the holiday. Wow. A reminder, don't, don't be racist on Cinco de Mayo, please. In fact, don't be racist ever. Really, don't be. Don't, yeah, just, just don't do it at all. But not only is it Cinco de Mayo, but yeah. it's, it's Revenge of the Fifth. Which, which is? Which means that yesterday was May the 4th. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just had to do, get that out of my system. And so I thought, what what better what better topic for an episode than to celebrate one of the monuments to modern filmmaking and certainly the big budget filmmaking, which is Star Wars. Yes, love it. So you have an interesting perspective because you would have been of age to see the initial Star Wars and, and actually remember. I think the first Star Wars film that I saw was, as a really young kid, would have been Return of the Jedi. But most of my memories of Star Wars are from the old VHS tapes. Yeah, totally. So I my, I, had, I had a brother who's, I have a brother who's 10 years older than me. So I think Star Wars came out in 79, 79 yeah. right? So I would have been seven, which is perfect age right. for that movie. When everything's still magical. And everything's still magical. So The film uh, industry hasn't beaten you down yet. Exactly. I thought, like, I remember distinctly coming out of Star Wars with my brother and thinking that universe was real. Yeah. I thought it was a real thing. I was like, they're up there in space doing their thing. Well, how often do we talk about world building (laughs) here on the show? And, like, (laughs) Star Wars motherfucking world building. (laughs) It was took elements of all your favorite fantasy Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, smashed it into one sci-fi adventure. Yeah, it was was amazing. So Um, what was your... So as... As someone who's at that prime age to witness a Star Wars film, I was the prime age. The, the toys were made for me and my peeps. Yeah, like so. What was that experience like? Well, I just remember like it was super emotional because I I was at that perfect age where I probably hadn't seen a lot of films. Definitely not in theaters. Like you know, it was right before cable was big and all that stuff. Right. So I remember just being like emotionally vested in the characters you know and thinking that world was real and then even by the time the second one came out which was a few years later i was probably a preteen at that point or right. maybe a teenager you know like 13 14 whatever um just 
wholly being vested, but not as a, I mean, this is the whole reason they do it, but I felt at the time not as a, I wasn't, I was, but that I wasn't part of the commercial thing. Like it was my sure. life, you know, like I, people now, this is a big debate I get in with a lot of people where they're like, aren't you a Star Wars fan? And I'm like, yes, I am totally a Star Wars fan, but I lived that thing and I can't like jump on the bandwagon, you know, to go back to it, to go back 40 years later. It's just something that you experienced at the time. It was timing. It was my age. It was it was the right end of the seventies, early eighties. So like all that was an experience for me. So I can't go around. I just personally can't go around like wearing a Star Wars shirt and going yay Star Wars because it's not about that for me. It was like a part of my life. Sure, right, right, and it might even in some in some ways you might reconnect to that period of your life even when you're watching the film or for sure. a special moment. But um, there's always a, a stark difference between those who who are transported back to a, a, that certain time when it meant a lot and, and yeah. those people who just never, ever left that time. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was joking with our buddy Mark yesterday because we went to Walmart and I was like, you know you're getting old when <laughs> everything you grew up with is now like vintage. Yeah, so right, like, right. You see all the t-shirts <laughs> and stuff. It's all throwback, but that's like what your childhood was. Yeah, you know? right. So anyways, yeah, it was just amazing. Like uh, incredible experience. I remember – believing in the whole thing thinking the characters are real and then <clears throat> i had a particularly crazy thing because just as um well i think i this this is gonna date me for sure but back in the day i mean i think that beard <clears throat> <hates you. laughs> i think it, it does <laughs> i'm 47 for the record i'll be 47 so you guys know where we're talking about right. born in 72 so uh Back then, my brother was a big, like, uh, convention junkie back before conventions were a thing. Like, they used to have, like, William Shatner and all those Star Trek guys, and then, like, actually Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. I don't know if Carrie Fisher ever did it, because she was kind of, her family was famous already. Right. But they used to go around the States, and they used to promote the films and stuff, and I remember they... Man, my brother was big into that kind of stuff. He's a comic book collector and all that kind of stuff. So he always knew about whenever, even if it was in a 50-mile radius, he knew what was going down. Yeah, right. This is before internet and cell phones and all that, just word-of-mouth stuff. And uh, Mark Hamill came down <clears throat> in Tennessee. I lived in Georgia. And they had one of the X-Wing fighters from the show, which they were carrying on a trailer. Yeah, right. It was a little, it was no bigger than maybe a Volkswagen, right? It was basically just the cockpit, but it had the wings and stuff. Right. It was like a miniature version that they used probably on stage or whatever. So they were towing that around with Mark Hamill. I don't, I don't, I didn't meet Harrison Ford, but Mark Hamill was there and they were letting kids jump in and in the cockpit and take yeah. a picture. And I remember taking a picture I have no idea where that picture is it probably doesn't exist anymore but just that's the kind of interaction that went right. on back then it was so cool well there, there a lot of, for people who are even my age and, and younger there um, you might have forgotten that there was a time period when movies didn't release all at once yeah. this idea of the opening weekend is a relatively new yeah. phenomenon yeah um I mean, as far as that back as I can remember, it really kind of starts with Spider-Man, maybe. maybe yeah, I remember, before that, but... I remember that crazy summer when Tim Burton's Batman came out, and then Terminator 2. That was like the birth of the blockbuster. Right, but that was the block, birth of the blockbuster, but like the opening weekend yeah, that's sort of thing, thing. I feel like once we crossed the $100 million mark with Spider-Man, with Sam yeah. Raimi's Spider-Man, then it became a thing. Right, right. But before that, movies used to, to tour. And so they would actually, if you watch any documentaries on Star Wars, they would they would tour it city to city. They only had so many reels. Yeah. And they would literally have to travel cross country, 
to these little different theaters that would show Star Wars for you know the Star Wars might have sat in theaters for a year. It's insane, man. You know, and but not concurrently, like just in terms of like you start on the East Coast and you work way west or whatever it may be. Yeah, with the access that you might have had during that time. Like for me, as someone who's about nine years younger than you, yeah. like the the closest thing that I could equate it to was like Batman Mania during '89. Yeah, because '89 would have put me at eight, seven, eight. Yeah, and so and so like same sort of age range where like mm-hmm. you have this phenomenon. That like encompasses everybody, and it was like in music, and it was in you know clothing and, and toys, and every it was everywhere. Yeah, I remember this, and I don't even remember the context of anything else. But I know that at one point, my dad took us out of town, maybe to San Antonio, maybe to Houston. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember we walked, we were in one of the bigger malls, and I saw just kid after kid with that black and yellow Batman <laughs> T-shirt. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, like that. That's the closest thing that I can identify with what it might have been like yeah. to experience Star Wars yeah. at that perfect ideal age. Yeah, it was crazy because like <clears throat> I just remember experience. I remember Star Wars being the sleeper that introduced everyone to the to the universe, and right. then Return of the Jedi was the hit. Like everyone loves Return of the Jedi, and they already had the basis of the first one to go on. But then I also remember feeling and again this might be an age thing like i was getting older right when return of the jedi came out it was like the franchise was sort of jumping the shark a little bit because it was like sure if now it's ewoks and puppets and like you're like oh you're, we're bringing back darth vader and obi-wan and yoda like now they're all ghosts so this they can never really die kind of things so right, kind of right, like, right oh well then the stakes just got lowered and it's basically a movie to sell teddy bears. You know, that's the kind of you sort of got to that feeling. Sort of get the jaded aspect. The of jaded that. aspect, right? But that could be age too. Like, I was well, yeah, because for me, I, I I think I remember my dad taking me to theater. I mean, I would have been two. I would have been young. Right. Maybe, maybe too young to have gone to the theater. Yeah. But um, I do. I just remember that time period. I remember that for the longest time, Return of the Jedi was my favorite Star mm-hmm. Wars film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for no other reason than the, the lightsaber battle. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it was just so dramatic in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older, as I think most people tend to shift to, it became Empire. Obviously, yeah, you know that became the, sort of the gold standard for a great Star Wars film. Yeah. But I, but I, because because I discovered the original Star Wars, you know, in video cassette. Right. The first one out the gate for me was Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. Right, that was you know, great. It was like the hero clad in black, and yeah, and he was a little on the edge, and he could go either way. He could fall to the dark side, or you could yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those were all pretty. And then, and then the toy line was in full force by that point. Yeah, and I had all of them. Yeah, for sure. To the point where you know, if you remember the old school Star Wars toys, you used to have a little slit in the mm-hmm. arm where you could stick the lightsaber for the Jedi's and the Siths. Yeah. But inevitably, you would lose them. Yeah, of course. So what we would do as kids is we would get... Uh, my grandfather had a medicine cabinet mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, different colored toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would get we would pick out the red and the blue and the green toothpicks and yeah. we would reuse those for us. And I, I actually still have a scar on my hand from when one of those toothpicks went flush through my, through my palm Jeez. to the other side. Yeah. You're not the only one George Lucas scarred. <laughs> well, that's so. That's an interesting. Thing. So then, so think about think about the impact of the original Star Wars, right? Yes. Think about this is a guy who kind of sank all his money. Who were we just talking to? Who watched it? Oh, uh, who's our transpo guy? The uh, older, Sean. The older gent. Oh no, it's that's uh, Craig. Craig. So we're working on a film, and one of our transpo brethren. He actually saw Star Wars. Yeah. He was in a college class, yeah. I think. And, uh, 
and um, they said, hey, we have a screening. Uh, it's it's you guys' age demographic. We, we're not really sure what to do with it. Yeah. And so he shows up for the screening. Yeah. And they say, uh, you know, the filmmaker put all his money into it, so I hope you like it. And it ended up being Star Wars. Yeah. You know, before wide release. Yeah. He watched this. He he claims that George Lucas was there. Yeah. And, right. And well, he, he was, was like, hey, I hope you guys like this. I sunk all my money into it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he says he still has like whatever. I don't know what it was, like a pamphlet or a questionnaire or something survey sure. from that screening. He's, that Craig still has that, which is amazing. That would be priceless. Like, think about that. Like, to me, seeing the original Star Wars before wide release with George Lucas in attendance right. might have been like the equivalent of you seeing Nirvana in college before they, they right. broke big. Which I did, yeah. Right. Exactly. Or, like, for me, like, the biggest, the, big, the closest I got to that was maybe like, I don't know, Avenged Sevenfold or something. <laughs> like, not nearly on the same scale. Yeah. But, um, just think of the cultural impact that that movie had. Not only, not only is it a is it a sort of master's class in simplified screenwriting. Yeah. As far as the hero journey. Right. But it launched the idea of the big blockbuster. It's not like there weren't sci-fi or fantastical yeah. movies before that, but that really sort of became yeah. like the benchmark for what a summer blockbuster came to be. Yeah, and I think I think that. You know, kudos to the the VFX team, which wasn't even VFX back then. It was just them like FX. <laughs> FX, yeah. It was just them spray painting stuff and using a force perspective and just any models and any kind of trick in the book they could to make that happen. So I think that's what really made Star Wars apart from all its predecessors, just because talking about building a world like they they made this a hundred percent believable yeah right when you watched it like you're like they they must have shot that in space clearly like yeah well the, <laughs> it's interesting because the, the elements of the movie itself aren't inherently unique right so hidden fortress was a big inspiration mm -hmm. um you know modern day westerns and samurai films All um buddhist buddhist belief mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of classic elements. I mean, even even you know your your Western princess, evil knight, black knight, <clears throat> yep. you know hero dynamic and archetypes. They're all sort of mixed in. But what what made it unique, I think, was that it it did so in a way that felt really seamless. Yeah, man. Like it was. It felt like you were watching a, a fairy tale, but in a way that you'd never really experienced it before. Totally. It's like the scene from The Princess Bride when. Uh, <laughs> You know, when when the grandpa talks to uh, Fred Savage, yeah, and, you know, he's re he cracks open this this timeless story. Yeah, that's kind of what Star Wars feels like. At yeah. least the the first ones. You know, it feels it feels like you're cracking open a novel of a fairy tale, a you know, Grimm's fairy tale or something along those lines. And that's been really difficult, I think, to recapture even within the series itself. Yeah, it's it's never really gotten back to that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that whole saying, uh, lightning in the bottle. It's just so many things, you know. It's, uh, you know, Mark Hamill's breakout role in Harrison Ford and then just the, the, the extraordinary makeup effects, the droids, like everything was just, it was right for its time, you know. Like I remember them saying, I remember hearing interviews with like Harrison Ford and, uh, uh, Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher and they were just every, they were like everyone that was on this movie thought it was going to go nowhere because right. like who's going to buy a sci-fi like you know weird sort of weird romance set in space like it doesn't brother sister set, romance yeah brother sister <laughs> incestual romance it's like something 
you know, someone would pitch if someone pitched you that now in a room, you'd be like, pass, hard pass. Right. That sounds stupid, right? Pass it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. And they and like I remember hearing like Sir Alec Guinness was like, fuck this. He was like totally above that because he's like a very established sure. theater actor, and he yeah, was like, why am I doing this? Like he hated his agent or whatever you could imagine. But uh, yeah, but then it just blew up, and and here we are today, still talking about it, and it. You know, now it's Disney owned, churning over billions and billions of dollars. And... Well, and it's interesting because this, you know, we've always had a very indie um, spin on things. And if you yeah. think about the nature of, of the origin of Star Wars, George Lucas wanted the rights to Flash Gordon. Oh, nice. As rumor has it. And he was unable to obtain those rights. Yeah. And so he. Um, Thank God. Yeah. And so then he <laughs> said, well, if I can't obtain those rights, then I'll just write my own. Just write my own. Yeah. And how. How much more indie is... I mean, the Star Wars is not a film that you would think of as an indie film, but the first one... The first one is within, definitely... Within the context of, like, its origin and how it was made and how it came oh, to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. 100% indie film. It's like the the indie film. Right. It's the epitome of indie films. Yeah. And then, you know, then you have to... You, unfortunately, have to fast forward to the studio. There's, a, there's an argument that often happens in terms of... Um, who does the art belong to once it's released? Mm-hmm. Does it belong to the artist still or does it belong to the audience? Yeah. And I think there's arguments both ways. I mean, you see it yeah. all the time. I, I just saw a post today. They were talking about um, they were talking about the Child's Play remake. Yeah. And how almost concurrently to the Child's Play remake, which, by the way, stars Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. <laughs> nice. Um, the original creator is doing a Child's Play series. Mm. So there's going to be sort of two... Yeah, universes of like, child play concurrently, concurrently. Going yeah, right, on. right. And some angry fanboy was like, um, you know, the only good child play movies were the first three, and after that they ruined it. And it's not my Chucky, and you know, <laughs> hashtag not my Chucky. Yeah, you know, it's the Kathleen Turner, not Kathleen Turner. What's her name? Kathleen Kathleen Kennedy uh-huh. of the of the Chucky universe. Yeah, you because know, everyone hates the new producer for Star Wars. <laughs> um, you know, you you see that sort of entitlement to a property. But then on the on the ups, other side, then you when you look at the release of the the prequels, you, then you start to ask yourself, well, maybe maybe the art doesn't solely belong to the creator as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a that's a you know, at what point does the does the audience should the audience have a say? Because without the uh, without the audience, you don't have the success. But also. If you did everything audience members said, right. it would go off the tr- off the track. Like another example in the news this week was the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog oh, right. remake, and then yeah. the, the director came forward and said, "All right, I heard you guys. I'm going to change well, the, the whole." The look design and, was awful, and right? So, so that probably is a good thing, but also, you know. But here's here, here's and I've seen people make this perspective, and I. I don't know enough about the inner dealings of the VFX company or companies that, that designed and created the Sonic character, but um, there's a lot of people's arguments that what all that will occur, because a lot of times these things are all in bids, Yeah, is that the company will just be forced to try to crunch time, redo right. the design yeah. you know, in six months right. at their own cost. It's not like the studio is going to necessarily right. dump more money in to make this redesign occur. They'll just put the pressure, they'll put the onus yeah. on the VFX companies to fix this. Exactly. We're, we're, you know, regardless of whether or not this, this character design was, um, by by the very nature of it, was approved by probably about 50 people. <laughs> right, of know, course. If not designed by 50 people who have nothing to do with the actual filmmaking. Absolutely. 
So there's a double-edged sword, but, you know, does someone... Well, okay, so so I don't think you could talk about Star Wars without talking about the tinkering of Star Wars. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. George Lucas first decides, you know what? My, my, my masterpiece wasn't complete, so I'm going to go back and add these elements mm-hmm. that I always wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think that since you and I come from an indie background, like... It, there's magic in the things you can't have. Yeah. There's there's a creativity to the restraints of, you know, time or money or yeah. technology or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, sometimes those limitations make it great. For example, a movie like Labyrinth, mm-hmm. which is Jim Henson, or any Jim Henson project, you know, <laughs> Dark Crystal, any of those films yeah. that relied on that puppet mastery to make these creatures come to life, if they had lived, if they had been created in the era of CGI, oh, yeah. it would have just... Been Jar Jar Binks. It would have just been Jar Jar Binks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes there's something to be said yeah. for the limitations of your time adding to the magic. Yeah, you know, forcing you to make a creative choice that maybe you wouldn't have made, mm-hmm. but ended up being the correct choice. Mm, right. So now you give... For, you know, carte blanche to go back and change those things. Necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. Right. So I think I think what you got. I think most people agree that what you got is a lesser product, a lesser Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. You know, none of, none of the added scenes really it moved the film forward or added some insight that you didn't have before. They were all very unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you put a you you put a few background creatures that you never knew you wanted or needed <laughs> or were missing in the first place. <laughs> right. Um and then you add stupid elements like deciding that your film is more is more family friendly than it maybe came across initially. Right. And so you're going to make Han Solo more of a good guy by making Greedo shoot first. And right, right. Things of that nature. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think that worked out so well for them, as clearly the well, audience is... Well, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, those changes were infuriating, but they didn't stop everyone from going in. I mean, I guess right. nothing has really stopped people from going in droves to see these movies. Right. And nothing ever will. Or will it? See, that's the question. That's where we're at. Because, like, since Disney bought the franchise, right, they were, they were pretty much making a film per year. Yeah. You know, or at least trying to... So at what point is there like oversaturation and then when where do we draw the line where we're like, okay, this is official canon and this is just some side story that probably would have been better off as a novel or whatever. You're right. So like so so and, and the same could be said for comic book movies, you know, like Adventures Adventures Endgame, you're more up on all that to speed up to all that than I am. But but again it's like if they make these movies, people are gonna go see them just be right. by sheer force of the amount well, of people... But, but listen, not necessarily, because you look at the Warner Brothers and what they've failed to do with most of their DC properties. Right. You know, people aren't... I mean, look, they've made a lot of money. A lot of people have seen them. Yeah. But not on the same scale that, like, what the Marvel has done. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you're referring to, like, say, the dip in sales for, like, a Solo mm-hmm. and the Han Solo yeah. film, there's a lot of things that, that come to play with that. One, it's a fun film. Yeah. It, it's a fun film, but for whatever reason... It got saddled with things that were kind of beyond its control. Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, it doesn't really add anything. Right. There's no like if you looked at Rogue One, mm-hmm. Rogue One paints a deeper picture. Yeah. Of the it's a it's a throwaway line in the original Star Wars film that many people died to deliver these plans. Yeah. And just taking that small line and making an entire movie about it and, and, and done in such a great way yeah. and making us really care about the characters that when they meet their eventual demise, spoilers for like a 
three-year-old movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> you care, and and it brings us up to speed with A New Hope. And while I thought the the CGI Carrie Fisher was a little yeah. forced, yeah, um, it I felt like it added to the greater story. Yeah. It just makes the stakes of A New Hope that much higher. Yeah, when you when you've connected deaths with them, right? Yeah, a very Game of Thronian type manner. But with with you know Kudos so to J.J. Abrams yeah well no that was a uh, Gareth oh. Edwards oh that one was yeah. yeah yeah but but you know fast forward to Solo it, you know it was it was like a nice backstory for for Han Solo and um, yeah it was uh, you know it gives a little bit of color to again a, a, a moment the Kessel Run <laughs> but it doesn't add anything to I mean it doesn't no. it doesn't make Han Solo a more rich or, or rounded character it doesn't right. really. Mm-mm. do much other than um, it's kind of like it attempted to be the Young Adventures of Indiana Jones. Right. Which ironically also was Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. Um, and was and, and, not as well received either. Right, right. Was that the one River Phoenix? No. Uh, well, was he in it? River Sean, Phoenix. Sean Patrick Flannery was in it. Oh, really? Whom we've worked with recently. Oh, yeah. Nice. He was in Young Indiana Jones. Nice. I think River Phoenix played young Indiana Jones in one of those movies before he died. Maybe. But, um, you know, what you... So that was that was that that was a, a strike against Solo. Yeah. But then you know there was there was some really unnecessary backlash from the Last Jedi. Mm. A lot of really angry nerds that there are women <laughs> in a position of power in this universe. And... All right. They always say that about. Poor Kathleen gets under fire. Right. You know, oh, my God, we have people of color in Star Wars, and we have women in Star Donald Wars. Donald Glover. Awesome. Yeah. Fucking love that guy. So there was a little bit of that backlash. And, and listen, we could get we could get down into The Last Jedi. We can we could talk about where that movie stands in, mm-hmm. in the overall uh, Star Wars sort of multiverse. Right. But um, it, it had all those elements against it, but it was a fun film. Yeah, you know, but but to your point, like, like Marvel can do that. Marvel can have Ant Man and the Wasp, and it can have all these side off things, and mm-hmm. and um, you can kind of take them or you can leave them, and no one really gets upset if they're unnecessary. True, it's a different kind of fan. It's a different kind of fan. And I think it's probably because comic books, by their very nature, you're used to being lots and lots and lots of stories and lots and lots of different comic books, right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas Star Wars started with a single story mm-hmm. and expanded to really cover the uh, a family lineage, right? And so, in trying to bring back these original stories, and I get that's I guess maybe that brings us to the Last Jedi. The there's a do you which have you seen? I did. I think I saw that one. Yeah, I saw that one on a plane over. Huh? <laughs> You're rocking the bunch. <laughs> Uh, if you ever know, want to know why there's creaking in the episode, dude. <laughs> it's because we live in a haunted house. It's, that's what it is. Um, there, um, there's, there's, there's a, a bit of a revelation in the Last Jedi that reveals that Ray, the character whom we have been following since the first movie, and mm-hmm. you know, through throughout this movie as our heroine is uh has no special lineage that she's right. you know all the fan theories that she was a kenobi or she was a skywalker or that she mm-hmm. was a solo or yeah. that none of those have any bearing that in fact her family was just uh some drunkards yeah you know who who pawned her for some money and yeah. and she's nothing she's traitor trash right which which a lot of people had issue with but in a way it's taking it back to the origin because before you realize in empire that Luke is a that Darth Vader is a Skywalker. Luke is just a farm boy. 
Mm-hmm. There's nothing special about his lineage, really. No. I mean, there's illusions that his dad was a warrior. Right. But but in, but in all essence, like he doesn't know his dad. He doesn't come from any of that. Like he's no. He the, it's it's completely downplayed to some degree. Yeah. You know, until you get the big revelation, then you realize like how more, much more impactful it is. Yes, but that's maybe part of its charm. It's like we can all be a Luke Skywalker. You know, we don't have to be born into this royal dynasty. And I think you that, and me and everyone else. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. I think he was trying to say. I mean, there's a there's a scene at the very end of of um, the Last Jedi where a little kid who's been souping a stable like uses the force to like bring the broom closer to him. Oh yeah, know? right, right. And I do think that it was a little bit of saying to the audience, to the fans, like we are all Skywalkers or we are all Jedi. Yeah, like, yeah. Anyone. That's a, a big, big common theme in Indian movies. They call it the universal hero. Right. We can all be the hero. Right. But in Star Wars, because of the nature of it, and <laughs> and, and also because of the way George Lucas expanded his universe. Yeah. It became very much about a singular story, about a singular family, yeah. and it was never really. I mean, hardcore fans understood there was an expanded universe through the books and what have you. Yeah. But, but for the the general movie audiences, yeah, they were used to one storyline. Yeah, just brother and sister, and their lineage and their father and blah blah blah. Right. So to your point, like how much is too much? I guess we've. I, you know, maybe we're finding that out. It'll be interesting to see after this third movie comes out and kind of, in theory, wraps the saga of yeah the Skywalkers, right? The movie's right. even called Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, there you go. So are they are they reconning out that line? Was it was it you know a classic villain spreading mm-hmm. misinformation? We don't really know, <laughs> right? Uh, or is it just again? Did the fans have an influence? Is this a Sonic the Hedgehog moment where they <laughs> they recon? That that Ray is in fact always been a Skywalker or something, right, right? Something like that, yeah. Give some fan service. I have no idea. Who knows? We'll find out soon enough. Stay but between. you have, and I know you can't talk a lot about it, but you have a very interesting perspective on Star Wars beyond just being a fan. Yeah. So recently, uh, last year. I had the opportunity of being on a Star Wars set. Which which is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing, especially just, it's mind-blowing, right? So uh, it, was, it was really interesting because um, it was just the amount of security, as one would expect, but we shot in this stage that's a little further down south, and um, they were so worried about paparazzi everywhere just leaking anything of course. out that we had to wear... Even if you were wearing a quote-unquote normal costume, with the, if you didn't have prosthetics or whatever, you had to wear like a black veil over yourself. Interesting. Even if you had to go use the restroom, like some AD staff would have to walk you to go to the restroom or whatever. No phones allowed. They basically checked you in. They took all your phones, not even allowed on set, like stuff like that. Right. But it was just crazy being immersed in this uh Stuff you've grown up with, and you know, there's a prop table with all this stuff lying right there, or right. these characters that you have noticed or definitely live in this universe are just everywhere you can see. And it was mind blowing, it was great, great experience. So, so does you know, through your years of filmmaking, and certainly I, I can speak through mine, there's an there's a little bit of an element of, of magic that gets lost, right? Exactly. You know, you've been on set long enough that you start to look yeah. at it and you're like, oh. That was shot day for night. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was uh, rear projection. Oh, now mm-hmm. they're on the process trader, whatever it may be, right? There's yeah. certain, because you know how the, the sausage is made, so to speak, you, yeah. you sort of sometimes become analytical and you're watching a scene. Yeah. But so for you to be 
to sort of have the curtain pulled back and yeah. be able to see behind it, does that yeah. amplify or does that reduce sort of the magic connected to the series? I will say this. When I'm watching film or working on film, 98% of the time, it's it's a downer. Like, I can't right. watch films anymore because I just can't enjoy them. Like, I, it's hard for me. It's a very few in-between films that are so good that they divorce me out of the moment of filmmaking and I can get immersed in the story, right? Which is right. the whole point of a film, right? But if I'm thinking as a producer, director, actor, whatever, I'm constantly analyzing how they did the shot or whatever. But but for me, this particular one, being on that set, it was cool in different ways. One is that to think that pretty much one person imagined all this and right. now you've got billions of dollars later, generations later, and people are still trying to create that same vision. Right. You know, and, and, and adhere to that vision as well. So it's really cool because everyone on set you know, it's a really famous director. George Lucas himself stopped by for a day when I was there. Every celebrity in town was there because they all wanted to be on the set. But everybody working on it in whatever capacity was just so admired by the art. And it made them do their job tenfold. Right. Because like... Because they're part of something. They belong to they're a, part of something. a bigger universe, literally. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, and you could just see it. And, and people, like even the props guys, would be like, look at this, man. Like this is part of the universe like this is you know like talking about their art or uh, or just admiring other people's right art on the set and it was every, and it just it just rose it just elevated the the work yeah. ethic all that much more um so and even in the even the director and you know it was just cool i i actually i came there um the director was there and it was the day george lucas showed up he was there one of the days i was there um and it was just weird because I sat in on a set with them because I was early. Right. And the ADs were like, just go hang out on the set. And they were talking literally like five feet away from me. And I was like, hey, do you guys want me to leave? Like, this is probably a private. They're like, no, man, this is cool. Just just chill. And they just talked about their day and the show and all that stuff. And um, it was it was cool. It was cool to be a part of. But that, But to answer your question, yeah, that particular, this series, this franchise, this universe – the magic was there. It was just cool. Right. Interesting. It's like it was like I felt like our generation or this generation was passing the torch to the next generation. Well it's funny know? it's funny that you mentioned that. So I was listening to a review of Endgame mm-hmm. by Kevin Smith mm-hmm. and um he talked about he got invited to the movie to see it with the cast and crew and mm-hmm. um he invited not his wife or not his you know, his uh, fellow podcasting partners, but his daughter. Mm. And the reason that he brought his daughter along was because he took his daughter to see the very first Iron Man. Yeah. And he felt like that movie invoked a, a, a recollection and a feeling within him that he had back when he used to watch like Star Wars with his dad. Right. Which invoked a feeling with him of old Westerns and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of that link that gets passed along, that, that sort of magical feeling. We Like we've talked about it a few times. I was talking about I was talking to a buddy of mine who's an announcer for a, a very famous um, entertainment wrestling mm-hmm. federation. Yeah. And um, we're just talking about wrestling fans and, and who are still wrestling fans. And really, it's it's older people yeah. bringing their kids, trying to share that that feeling that they had when they were there with their parents, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what that's what Star Wars is doing as well. It's it's like it's passing that, you know, it's, you're sharing that experience yeah. with someone 
of a next generation that that hopefully they're able to have that feeling that you had yeah. in 78 79 yeah. as a seven-year-old exactly right yeah to this new generation yeah it's cool we have a mutual friend justin and you always see him posting about he, he has a daughter maybe two daughters now and he's always having them watch ghostbusters and right. back to the future and what have you to like it's just like a a thing we have for me, it's like Burton movies with my kids. They grew up on them, so now like my daughter's a little goth emo. Yeah, I'm like yes, no baby that. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, that's sort of the magic. The, the the great thing about these more sort of art type shows, these movies, you know, like we talk about westerns, or you talk about horror films on this film a lot on this show a lot. Yeah, they they have such a classic element to them that you can share those. Yeah, you know, you know, you might as a I don't know if you're ten. Right, and you look back at the very original Star Wars, it right. might it might seem a little passe to you. Yeah, but you know, you always see these angry adults on the internet complaining about Star Wars now, and yeah, what it doesn't feel like to them. We did an episode a while back where we talked about the the, the Ghostbusters, the all female Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. And Matt brought up a good point. It's like it, it's not for you, right? It's not for you. It's not for you. And at a certain point, you know, you have to move on. Yeah. To some degree, it doesn't mean you can't still love it. it can't it doesn't mean you can't still be a fan of it, but you can't arrest your development yeah. from that point onward. For sure. Like that was um, there's a there's a, a show that you were recently on. Yeah. And um, I just saw a clip of it, but the, the premise is that your character was married <laughs> to somebody's grandmother, <laughs> yeah. and then um, after it didn't work out, you decided to start larping at like you know forty something years <laughs> exactly. of age. Exactly. Bizarre Mark, that would show us. Yeah. <laughs> Another Disney show, Bastards. Uh, we're, we're in the Disney universe. And we, we are. have been. You are more than me. Yeah. Love um, the Mouse House. But, but you know, for some people, their their development stops right then and there. Yeah. In that one magical moment and never really... That's it. And, but you can never reclaim that because you're just, by your nature, a different person in a different part of your life. Like, hopefully you've gotten laid and, you know. <laughs> well, let's not assume. I mean, I'm not going to assume, it, but let's hope. <laughs> in 40 years that be, you got laid. Be it a, a Jawa or it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, man. For sure. I mean, I mean that's the thing. Like, it's it's each each movie is in it in and of its time and the element whatever the political things are going on whatever came before it or after it the technology like so many things that you can't but but yeah these people latch on you know they like to think of themselves as purists right or whatever like protectors of the yeah they're defending the, the original like how do they know george lucas is over there rolling in billions so i'm sure he's fine with it well, yeah, right. Even George <laughs> Lucas doesn't know what the originals are supposed to be like. I don't think a fan on the internet necessarily has more innate knowledge. And even yeah. the man who created it can't figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And things change. And they're like, it's a whole new world right now. So you gotta you got to cater it to the audience of the day, too. Yeah, and I think what's kind of cool is what you're seeing is you're seeing them take this archetype and, and just changing some things up, just a few things. Mm-hmm. But I I always find it really cool. Like there was like a big controversy about Captain Marvel for some reason. Uh-huh. I guess I guess some nerds forgot that Captain Marvel had been a woman for like forty years oh, or something like that. Right, right. Like like the original Captain Marvel died of cancer like in the seventies. Right. But whatever they so the people were like, oh my god, SJW, blah 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 blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's cool. As I see it more and more now, I see it with Wonder Woman, and I see it with Captain Marvel, and I see it with Rey. Mm-hmm. Like these young girls have yeah. these heroes awesome. that we had as young men, right? But now they have 
yeah. that you know that can are very capable and yeah and very crafty and sometimes even more crafty than the men and totally like that's really inspiring to see because I love that that that's that's the real truth of passing on that's why we celebrate May the fourth yes right that's that's why it's to me it's not about looking back and trying to remember I mean that might be a part of it but it's really the going forward yeah you know it's it's spreading it so that some seven-year-old now yeah exactly you know maybe even a seven-year-old girl now is like i can be a jedi exactly you know and that might not have existed before 100 percent probably wouldn't have yeah which yeah. is cool right and 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 that's the sort of magic of these of these types of movies yeah right the movies that that's because of their their story elements are so in some ways basic right yeah. it's it's the basic hero's journey like if you've ever taken a writing course Right. Go watch the first Star Wars. It's right. almost like it's beat by beat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they're able. They're able to. Their timelessness allows them to be, to be enjoyed by by future generations. Hopefully. Yes, for sure. So with you having now experienced Star Wars as a seven year old, <laughs> and yes. and now uh, having experienced oh, 40, almost forty seven year old. Right. So forty <laughs> years have passed. Yes. Since the first time you saw Star Wars till uh, the next Star Wars comes out. Yeah. The last Star Wars, in fact. Right. Should come out this year, and you'll be forty seven. Right. What um what are your what are some of the favorite moments of the series or favorite characters from the series or what is it? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure it's an endless. Hey, yeah. Well, I think for me, I I mean, I go back to the originals. Um, you know, I think Luke's journey is one that we can all relate to. Of like you said, he's the everyman. He's he's a farm boy. He finds his own destiny. Um, he's got the older guy kind of teaching him the ways, uh, and and then his world is shattered he realizes it's, it's his father right he, and his sister and his sister <laughs> right he becomes an amputee right uh and then he's like shelved away for 30 years like the whole that whole hero's journey like you you could probably say the word skywalker in any language and any culture in the world and they get it right away right like it's a cultural right. icon international cultural icon everybody wants to be a, a skywalker you know so um probably all that stuff i would say is the greatest but um you know just to me looking looking back now that we have the technology and the internet and the footage and all of the stuff of seeing how they made the original effects on the movie is right. just mind-boggling and how you know just stuff like on on star wars they uh you know, they would they would like flip buckets over and find sponges and then paint them to look like cities and stuff right, and right. and just like the whole force perspective with like little miniature models and sliding them across a wire towards camera and stuff like that which is mind-boggling but it but but it you, all works it all works and to this day you can watch original Star Wars and it stands up yeah it's yeah. It, you can put it next to any you know, Michael Bay, J.J. Abrams, fill in the blank, James Cameron, and it's still a good technical film. You yeah. Know, like, well, because those techniques, they still work. They still work. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, even I mean, I know it's it's so much rarer to find now. Right. But even uh, in a in a movie like Dunkirk, right, that came out, you know, <laughs> traditionally when when Hollywood blockbusters are trying to like replicate a crowd, it'd be very CG oriented. Right. And. Uh, I mean, there were, I'm not saying there wasn't an element of that, but there was big parts of Dunkirk where they have cutouts. Yeah. <laughs> all along the beaches, right? <laughs> you're right. And, and, you know, from the perspective that you're looking at, it looks 
Yeah. As real as if there were people there. And it maybe looks yeah. more real than if you'd have comped them in. It certainly must have been cheaper than just print out a bunch of soldier. Yeah, exactly. You know, and s- stick them up on a beach with a couple sandbags. Incredible. You know, those those things still maintain. Like, for me, looking back at the series, yeah. um, I was always really drawn to Lando Carlisian. Oh, great one. I mean, there's just something cool about Billy D. Williams. Yeah. I had the opportunity to meet him once. Oh, man. And he's just as cool in real life <laughs> as he is uh, in the movie. But, like... You know, he he was very he was like okay. I get why Han Solo is a lot of people's favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, right. Harrison Ford's great, yeah. But Lando was that plus some, yeah. You know, like he was that much more smooth. Like Han oh. Solo's kind of a he he's he's very much um, you know he's the archetype that then you you later see like a a, a Mal from Serenity Firefly or mm-hmm. certainly like Star Lord and yeah. um, Guardians of the Galaxy like he's the, sort of the bumbling yeah. captain that's not really super great at his job you know <laughs> right, yeah how many times do you see Han Solo's gambles not pay off <laughs> yeah all the time actually. all the time actually yeah <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that kind of gets gets through things based on like sheer dumb luck you know <laughs> yeah. more than skilled planning yeah. Versus Orlando always just seemed like he was he just was way more He's up. just the best poker player at the table, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's slick and he's smooth and you you would believe that Leia would be like drawn to him and yeah. like you would believe that he'd be able to con these this mining town into letting him run it, you know, Cloud City. Like you would believe all that. Yeah. Um and he felt like a worthy you know, the way the way Empire ends, he's captain once again of the Millennium Falcon and you kind yeah. of accept him as a worthy successor you do. You know, even though they they eventually rescue han in the very next film right like if 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 in a different world this franchise lasts for five films in the original yeah you'd have bought that lando could have been sure you know and then i thought again to go back to the solo movie yeah i actually thought the casting of donald Glover uh, was brilliant. brilliant i mean just they could be related i mean i know just cut from the same cool cloth man yeah in fact <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to paraphrase this but it I think uh, at one point Donald Glover called Billy D. Williams and mm-hmm. and asked like, hey, you know, like, he had all these questions, right? Yeah. Artist questions and character yeah. questions. Yeah. And I think to some degree Billy D. Billy D. Williams said something like, just be cool, man. <laughs> just, <laughs> just be, be cool, smooth. Man. Just yeah. be smooth. Colt forty five. That's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's that's what he brought to the table, and it just comes across so great. So that. That was always really cool. Plus, he had a cape, and capes are awesome. Capes are awesome. Need to make a comeback. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, uh, this is going to be a popular answer, but Boba Fett, right? Yeah. He started. I want to say, he either started as a side character in the cartoon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or, or as a toy first. I don't remember which, yeah. but he definitely was not a, a movie no. original. No. I think. I think he was either they just made a random toy, yeah. you know, to fill out. You know, he was random yeah. bounty hunter, Boba Fett, whatever. Yeah. And then he he because he had the rocket launcher. Yeah. He was really popular, was and then cool. they were like, oh, let's put him in a cartoon, and then or maybe it was a flip flop. I don't remember which. But then eventually it leads to him having a a a role. I wouldn't even say a highly significant role, but a role, yeah. uh, a cameo in Empire, and certainly a larger role in yeah. in Return of the Jedi, and soon to be a. Sort of, kind of series. Yeah, so that's interesting. I don't know much about the series, but I have heard that uh, was it John Favreau, I think, that's producing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And um, 
Pedro Pascal from Game uh, of Thrones is, is yeah. supposed to be in it, and um, that uh, Carl Weathers, I believe. Carl Weathers and uh, Tahiti, Wahiti, Tahiti, I don't know his name. He's like uh, a, yeah. the director that... He, he, Thor Ragnarok, and um, yeah. he plays a character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he directed some episodes. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, which is a good sign, because, you know, for, for most people's perspective, Thor Ragnarok kind of... Rejuvenated the Thor franchise, you know, yeah. by influencing humor and bringing a little bit more of Chris Hemsworth like physical comedy yeah. elements to it. Yeah, yeah. But um, I good. think that, that that show follows. So in in the extended, I, I forget what's canon now, but in the extended universe, yeah. Boba Fett was not a. Um, oh, I guess okay. So in the the original extended universe, Boba Fett wasn't a Mandalorian. Mandalorian. He was. Uh, I don't know if they ever reveal who he was, but he kills a Mandalorian oh. and he takes his armor oh, yeah. and he sort of assumes that identity going yeah. forward. Right, right. Um, in in George Lucas's prequels, whom we shall not name, <laughs> he's uh, his he's always a man. His father was a Mandalorian, and he's a clone of his father. Uh-huh. And and so yeah, that's a weird that's a weird thing. I think everyone just kind of tries to not think about too much <laughs> until you have to, you're forced to, until you have to force. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where they're taking that. If they're going to kind of go back to the original idea that this was a, an yeah. army, you know, this is a, a race of people and warrior people, or if this is, um, right. if they're going to go off the, I mean, I guess it's canon. So that maybe they have to go off the idea that he's a, yeah. a clone of Django Fett or something. I'm not really sure. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to, to trace, but it feels like it has yeah. elements of being a Western in it. Yeah, I wonder when that's coming out. It should be this year, maybe the end of this year or next year, maybe. Party, I think it's part of Disney Plus's ah, program. That's where they get you. That's where they get you. <laughs> but um, though the, the the side characters were always super appealing to me. Yeah. You know, because they had their, to me, in, in some ways, they had the more interesting backstories, and the, or they had a very little backstory, and you had to sort of fill in the blanks. Yeah. And that made, and again, this is. This is the the virtue of the world building because you don't even have to paint like a lot of people love fantasy fantasy books. Yeah, and one of the things that I love, uh, one of the things that I like the least about fantasy books is that they paint the picture. Yeah, ad nauseum, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's and there's like to some degree they don't allow you. And I get it; it's a complicated world they're creating. So you know. The, the George R. R. Martins and the, you know, Tolkien. Yeah. And the, Tolkien, yeah. You know. Like, I get why they would create such a vast world with, like, such intricate detail. And I understand the appeal of that. Yeah. But I also think that there's something kind of exciting about just introducing a character and allowing you to fill in the blanks to yeah, what right what their motivation was and how they came to be. Exactly. It's cool, too, that Disney sort of has the reins, so you know it's in good hands. You know, they're not going to hire slackies to do it. They're going to put... Uh, the money and the effort behind it, so that's cool because they can take these little pieces, yeah, and flesh them out. And some of them will be bombs, and some of them will be awesome. But still, it's like you know, it's, it's expanding the universe more. Well, that's it. I mean, and if they've made some, you know, you can make the argument that they've made they've they've had some misfires with directors. I mean, they yeah. they uh, my understanding is that with Rogue One, they take they took over the ending of Gareth Edwards' film, and right. um, the guys that made the Lego movie were originally on the Solo film, and they right. jettisoned those guys. With Ron, Ron Howard? Ron Howard came in, and again, I would argue it's a very fun film, so yeah. I, I don't know what they would have done versus what he did, but right. but certainly, like, I've seen 21 Jump Street, and I thought it sucked, <laughs> Yeah, but I've seen I've seen the Lego movie, and that was good, so yeah, I don't exactly. know where Solo would have landed in that. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. But, um, but they, they do seem to correct course, and I think even... 
with the idea like uh the the, the director trevor i forget his last name mm-hmm. he was director of the lost what's the new jurassic park jurassic world oh uh, yeah jurassic world yeah. yeah so he directed jurassic world mm-hmm. and he was meant to do the final star wars film mm-hmm. and whatever he wasn't he wasn't working out so then they got jj abrams back so Again, like to your point, like yeah. they're a smart company, and yeah. for all the the belly aching that people like to do online, right? Like they have a very high standard of quality. Yeah, absolutely. That, that supersedes the rumblings of a few nerds Plus, on the internet. Let's see you do better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Well, that's, <laughs> like, one, of the, that's one of the things that we always talk about. Like you get, like I'm not saying that. I, I'm by no means am I saying that that people who who aren't intimately involved in the creation of something can't criticize it. Yeah. That'd be silly. Right. Of course we can. Yeah. It goes back to the argument of whether or not the the art belongs to the artist solely right. or to the audience once it's been released. And I think it's a mutually shared symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Part of that comes criticism, right? right? Or praise. Yeah. We can't have one without the other. Right. But that being said, you know, if you don't like the way that the Disney's doing these franchises, then then don't do what George Lucas did. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't get access to Flash Gordon, if you don't like the way Disney's doing yeah. Star Wars, yeah, uh, stop talking about Star Wars and go do your own thing that yeah. could potentially be the next Star Wars. You know, right? Exactly. Or or the next whatever in the in the way that Star Wars superseded being the next Flash Gordon. Like you could be doing that project. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's to me what I feel like when I think about you know fourth May the fourth, right? May the fourth be with you, like. It's thinking about that, thinking about how this entire franchise that is now 40 years deep mm-hmm. and, and the, the number of generations that it's impacted yeah. and, and where it is now and, and its origin, I think that's where you that's where you should be drawing inspiration from. For sure. You know, excitement for the new films? For sure. Yeah. Wanted to go back to a, a different time in your life? That's fine. Yeah. But really, like, what's the big takeaway? What's What are we doing yeah. to present that new Star Wars to the world? Yeah, exactly. And uh, we have to talk about old Peter Mayhew. Oh, that's right. Because that's <laughs> right. that was the, just he died on April thirtieth, a few days ago. Yeah, yeah. That's a you know. I mean, it's it's we're getting to that point where, you know, you know the characters. Oh, well, you know, we lost Carrie Fisher. Yeah. You know, lost Peter Mayhew. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, regretfully do not remember the original R two D two. Is it Kenny Baker? Kenny Baker. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're getting to that point where characters are just yeah. The actors who portray these characters are getting older. Yeah. And you know, I've seen like we talked about Mark Hamill earlier. I've seen that he um has some criticism. I guess is a fair way of putting it. Yeah. That more of the original cast wasn't right. Like the stories weren't focused around them. Yeah. That maybe it was an opportunity to continue the adventures of Luke and his pals. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Right. I think again. We had that time, yeah, and and we moved on from that yeah. time. And there's been a whole, there's a whole trilogy for whatever you think about them. There's a whole trilogy that deal with not him and right. his pals, yeah. And while I understand there's a there's that desire probably as an actor to sort of revisit that, yeah, much like what we're saying with fans, like there's a you got to hand yeah. off the, the the lightsaber, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fine balance. Like, but to me, you know that error is gone you wouldn't you know it, they're great for cameos they're great to give their two cents they're great to make the rounds and promote the films but you know 
you you, you don't want to see Adam West as Batman. You know, it's yeah, just right. like that time has come and gone. You know, like that's you just got to accept it. But it's cool. The nostalgia is great. That's yeah. half the reason we go see these films is because of nostalgia. But yeah, but but you know. They're not the center of that universe anymore, you know what I mean? Like, right, and I'm sure people would have loved to have seen that original cast all together at one time. Yeah. But that that wasn't the story. Right. It wasn't you know, it doesn't motivate the story. Exactly. And so, um <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm kinda of, I'm glad that they're introducing a new Yeah. A new hero, a new villain. Yeah, if, I mean it's great. Like I mean, just think about the the cast we've got with um what's his name adam driver is the yeah, new generation and uh e- emo vader <laughs> emo vader i love that guy like where would we be without star wars we probably wouldn't know him that well we would know? have a lot less memes <laughs> that's, that's where lot, we would be without star wars we would have a lot less memes and what kind of world is that that we want to live in we don't want to live a in a memeless world, without, world. Uh, daisy ridley for sure that's right one wants to live in that world so so yeah so <laughs> So as we wrap this up, you know, we want to wish everyone here a happy May the 4th, a happy Revenge of the 5th. I prefer uh, Revenge of the 6th. I know, right? I feel like that flows a little bit better. It flows a lot better. You guys can call it whatever you want. But, um, you know, take the opportunity to take, hopefully this weekend you went back and you revisited some of these Star Wars films. Yeah, and may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Galaxy Far, Far Away Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.